0: So as we return, 1 Corinthians 15, we are actually concluding the resurrection chapter. So far, it's been really good to go over five messages, and today we conclude with the sixth one. As I meditate and study each week, the simple summary has come about. And in a recap, we're going to ask this question. Why does the resurrection matter so much? Here's the first one. Resurrection is central to the gospel. I'll refer to the passage again. The message of resurrection, at least to the first century Christians, it was so powerful and central, and we need to regain that again. But the second thing is uh, the resurrection is indispensable to our salvation, Jesus' death on the cross, the atoning sacrifice is nullified if there is no resurrection. And if there is no Christ's resurrection, then there is no resurrection for us as well. Thirdly, resurrection matters so much because it is radical in its effects on us and, and beyond. And we will see that even more today. The scope is far beyond just we get to come alive again. And a God's restoration of God's kingdom for eternity is the scope of it and, and radical. Fourthly, resurrection is impactful on our everyday lives for our concern and prayer an active sharing of the gospel for our loved ones, if it is really true. And we will continually live a holy life, godly life, rather than living in a today we drink and eat and tomorrow we die mentality. And it focuses us What we're really living for today. In Apostle Paul's case, it was what he's suffering for. Close to death, everyday experience was a reality. But we need to think about, what am I really living for today? If the resurrection is really true. Am I living for Christ? Or am I living for just myself? And last week, uh the impact became bigger on the clear picture of our resurrection body. Our body the resurrection resurrection is that is not the body, our dead body restored, resuscitated into another life being that eventually will die anyway. And Paul mentions That as the seed dies, a seed dies in the the land, under under the ground, and then out of it, a new life emerges out, a plant and crop. Just as our resurrection body will be radically different, not the perishable body, but imperishable body and to to a certain degree we don't really know clearly what it is because we've never seen uh, that type of being so we're talking about the body that doesn't decay that body that walks into eternal now in the presence of glory of God and because of that and our today's passage uh, begins with why that body is necessary for the eternal now. So the question of the today's passage, we could use this as a frame of work, uh, a frame of our mental frame uh, on which we could hang our, our lessons. The question is, what results... Does the victory, I would even want to say does the overwhelming victory of the resurrection bring us? Uh, Before uh, we answer read the answer, a mystery about mystery verse 50 introduces the context on, in which we are going to explore more. In a way, that it is, this is a summary that what Paul has been expounding as well. I tell you on this verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood can, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. This is not an obscure sentence. This is simple enough. We just need to define and and understand the meaning of those phrases. First of all, flesh and blood simply refers to other passages in the New Testament. Our natural body is referred to as flesh and blood. So our resurrection body will be in a way supernatural body. So we don't know what that being will really look like but if we have any kind of reference it will be the resurrected body of Jesus a risen Christ. Remember um, he was able to eat. It was not a spiritual body but it was not a ghost. You could touch and feel and he was able to eat but at the same time, he didn't have to eat. The door was closed and locked. Although he was not a ghost, he wasn't in, uh, in a way any trouble to go through those spaces. And he was here once and appeared another way in, on the road to M- Emmaus. So in some, some degree, we could uh, learn and understand the, our resurrection body. As we shared in men's group, one of the good principles is what's clear in the Bible, the scripture, we hold on to it firmly. But what is not clear, we must not speculate too much. So otherwise, all the cults are coming out of Mormonism, is a big on because of this glorification of the believers. Uh, eventually, the people will become divine beings and gods, and their own their own universe and their own kingdom. How about uh, the flesh and blood, the natural body, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God has many different nuance and sense as well. Spiritual meaning is generally seek the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. It is the reign, a rule of God that our hearts and our lives and our homes and our cities and our nation is under the rule of God. Your kingdom come. Your reign, and full reign will come we pray that your will be done and you it, it could make sense really clearly but in this passage this meaning is the consummate state of God's king God's kingdom which means this is a tangible way to to describe when God is reigning and restore the universe into a new heaven and earth that kingdom of God you cannot inherit with flesh and blood why because that kingdom is eternity because that kingdom has direct glory of God that we we will share So, our resurrected body is actually not only a supernatural body, but it is a glorified body. Incredible things that it fits as we spend eternity with God. And here lies the hope for all of us who are grieving for the loss of our loved ones. And someday, this mystery will become true. What is this mystery? In in short, we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Verse 21, let's read that passage first. Behold, I'll tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When you hear the, mis- the word mystery to us, we o- immediately what we think about is a mystery novel. Something spooky and mysterious and very hard to find out. In the New Testament, the meaning is more on, it's not the only mysterious facts or phenomenon, X-factor type of stuff, the things that you cannot explain. But its it refers to a secret that's been hidden until now by God's revelation. What is the truth, Paul? Is this is now known truth that he's revealing. The key message is: we shall not sleep, meaning Christian way of saying we shall not be in dead state. We shall all be changed. And what's really exciting is this: those phrases, of, in a moment. Not a, you work at it, and you train to to be changed. You know, some of us still kind of go have to go to uh, gym in the morning and really work out, and some of the guys who ran, they enjoy the benefit of training. They want to continue to do that. And there's some crazy people in our community that want to run 100, 000, 100 miles. I don't know why, but But not in a gradual process, in a moment, momentaneously, instantaneously. why I should say instantly, how fast will that happen in a twinkling of an eye? The twinkle is much faster, much, much faster than blinking in an eye, right? So which means, for those of us are curious, we like to observe things, you know, when I, when I get married, I want to watch myself carefully, enjoy the every moment of the wedding ceremony. So people will say that. But when we are changed, in a split second, It's more than, faster than this, much faster than this. Twinkle of an eye. All of us who are in Christ will be changed. And yes, the resurrection body helps because including uh, the loved ones we have, they will be raised first. but people like Brian who still has to deal with this recovery of you know surgery and and we're continually praying for uh, no chemotherapy necessary anymore so we're going through that and also my brother who has a speech impediment and it, you know that the whole body is aching the right side and as I mentioned, you know, some of our families have uh, the kids with autism. Some of the, uh, uh, our moms or, or, or grandfathers, or they suffer Alzheimer's. All that in a split second, the body will be changed, We shall be changed. If this mystery is really true and Paul is declaring that right now it will in turn to the next result, which is very obvious, um, and which leads to victory, overwhelming, great victory. But we tend to kind of gloss over these things too fast, right? So as I mentioned that the first-century people, resurrection, the hope in resurrection, especially that at the coming of Christ, that hope was really true and real, and we need to restore that. So I'm going to introduce another passage, very uh, parallel passage, in First Thessalonians 4:16 through 18. Notice the, 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 the similar things, but notice also the uh, additional different remarks in here. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we will always be with the Lord. We usually stop there. Have you noticed this sentence? Paul writes, therefore, encourage one another with these words when was the last time you encouraged someone other brother your sister with these words in a twinkling of an eye with a shout of command the last trumpet for those of us who went through the Exodus study chapter 19 and 20 we remember the Mount Sinai the trumpet the whole glory of God and coming down and visibly, people are afraid of this f- strange, uh, overwhelming phenomena because of just simple touch of God's l- glory showing up. And Paul's logic is this: Yes, life is hard. Yes, raising your kids and changing diaper is hard. Yes, your finance is difficult. Yes. You have trials that is not under your control. Yes, you will volunteer to suffer for Christ and go out to where people need you. Not only in East Asia, where Boy and Cindy and Wade and Helen and our missionaries are, but also to the people around us. Of course, we will be facing some difficulty and some awkwardness, and even some persecution. But would you encourage one another with these words? If mystery... Of the fact that we shall be changed now come out to be true in turn it will lead to uh, overwhelming victory great victory death is swallowed up in victory through our Lord Jesus Christ verse 54 this is the crescendo Paul's getting excited Um, when the imperishable puts on the when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality. Then co- shall come to pass the saying that is it is that is written. He quotes he quotes Hosea, Hosea thirteen fourteen. Um, death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I meditate on this, uh, I come to realization of our culture. Obviously, everyone is afraid about Dying. Death is not only uh, final, but it is very uncertain, almost like a dark abyss. With, without faith it is, it's really impossible to faith death. But our society beautified, covered up <coughs> this ugly, <coughs> hopeless thing that is approaching to us. Have you been to funeral? And then, the, uh, as you're looking at the casket going down, and we usually just put a rose or a flower on top of the ga- casket. And that's it. The third world country, when it's more raw, there's a dirt everywhere. And people wailing, and you could picture that. From the the modern Western society, the wailing is too not—it's not just doesn't feel sophisticated, right? So you have a nice uh, black, you know, dress, and even um, the proper way of grieving is that. But have you seen those people who are wailing as the uh, casket is going down? The final goodbye, and the wailing goes even louder and more desperate. And then dirt is put it on there. This, this is final. Finality is there. Without Christ, without the resurrection hope, there is no hope at all. But up until this point what Paul is saying is a mystery is even the Christians face this ultimate ugly death. Remember the only time the New Testament re- recorded Jesus weeping is at the death of his friend Lazarus. Jesus wept. And he wasn't he wasn't kind of okay I need to kind of prove a point that people my People need to learn to grieve and cry. No, he felt the deep pain of death. And that's why 1 Corinthians 15 calls the, the, the death, the last enemy. The sin came through the first Adam, and because of Satan's lure and wage of sin is death. And those three enemies... Threefold enemies, sin, Satan, and death. And the last experience that we really have is death. In our society, covered it up, beautified it. And euphemism is there. You know the expression at Facebook every time when famous uh, singer or somebody died has nothing to do with their Christian faith. And people will write, R I P. Rest in peace. Whatever that expression is, rest in peace, where? You don't even believe in life of death. Where? They're flowing around somewhere? Obviously, that expression came from Christian faith. Rest Rest in peace in the arms of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, what we are reading and studying and meditating is not just a myth. A Make believe. Let's believe that this is true. No, this is absolutely true. That you could really throw your way, throw, throw away your life and most valuable possessions, including your life and your dignity, your life and your pride, your loved ones. At the hand of Jesus, everything will be restored. And I love the fact that Paul brings out the Old Testament. This is not something that I'm making it up. Paul is saying basically, Hosea, quote, Oh that, where is your victory? Oh that, where is your sting? When you think about sting, you know, first thing that came to my mind was bee. I got stung a few times, but we're talking about fatal. Sting like a scorpion in the desert scorpion and you, you get stung and you die within a few minutes or the hour what is that sting? Paul brings up the background theology to that death itself has no power and no sting but that sin that causes us to face death and every single one of us who came from the first Adam because of sin. The ways of sin is death. What is sin's power then? Sin's power is the law, law of God. Paul is not saying that the law itself is bad. The exposing nature of law, God's law, brings out the sin and some of us will say, well our christian our family was a you know atheistic family we didn't believe in uh, Moses, we didn't even the bible actually Romans one Paul says, God has written his law in every conscience in every culture universally, there is a concept of right and wrong there is a there is a concept of sin and, and some kind of punishment God has written in our hearts and that when we see actually God's law and the more you're trying to obey the law the more you begin to see your sin nature coming out pervasive depravity and once again many of us who are uh, who had experience with traditional church that has very externalism oriented spirituality, meaning that you clean up on the outside, so you don't smoke and you don't drink much, uh, you don't cuss anymore and you drive only ten miles above um, and you don't cheat uh, you you look at only. Sports Illustrated, but not the Playboy magazine. You know, whatever that might be. And you're clean. You're you're law-abiding cities in typical, very clean uh, Orange County middle-upper-class people. We actually send, Jesus said, to the Pharisees to clean the inside of cup. Because all the things are coming out of your inside. The true, real transformation that we're pursuing at Crossway at least, is an inside-out transformation. When we are faced with the law, it's utter helplessness. I don't know about you. I think I was 19 or 20 for the first time in my Christian life because after this tremendously uh, incredible retreat. So I don't want to go to the spiritual holocauster again. So I, I made up my mind and stayed up until late night making determination that I will never, ever fall again. I think, you know, predominantly young young men at that age is usually one of the main thing is continually coming back recurring sin is lust and lustful thinking within few weeks I fell fall flat and I still remember crying out to God it's impossible it's impossible for me to live a Christian life and I look at Romans 7 not me but Apostle Paul claimed a similar thing. Oh wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of sin? And then he he actually declares similar but thanks to be to be to to God who gives us the victory, very similar way in Romans eight. What, what, is, what is the point here? When you think about this death hollowing at you, we need to think about the root causes of our sin. When you face Jesus at the judgment seat without atoning sacrifice, without the resurrection of Christ, if we are not in Christ, we will face death eternal separation from God eternal damnation from God but no longer those who are in Christ will face death forever let me let me emphasize one last time the first adam brought the original sin the fall of man the fall of man was not a mis- little mistake that affected man, Adam and Eve only. It affected entire creation. Romans 8 says, the, all the creation is groaning for the sons of God, the people who are who in Christ, resurrected body, coming with the glorified body. Why? The whole universe will be restored under the kingdom of God. And God's reign will be perfect. And that's why our, our uh, uh, eternal life and the new heaven and earth will be the conclusion of new creation. So in a way, did you, did you hear that? The first creation was 1st Adam. And Christ came in, and under Christ, there's a new creation. If those who are in Christ, the old has passed away, the new has come. The new heaven and earth will be the conclusion of that new creation. John Owen, the Puritan theologian, calls this the death of death, in the death of of Christ. Death is gone forever. And finally, what it looks like in our, our practical everyday life, I think we should learn from people like D.L. Moody. He once writes, someday you will read in the newspapers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher. That is all. Out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. Here is a real life everyday application. We need to have that. And I actually know some people who have made their last request on their deathbed. On my funeral. Don't sing a sad song. They said sing Hallelujah, Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. And I think I'm going to join that crowd not that I want to die right now but when God brings us into that if Christ lived, to live is Christ and to die is to gain because of to be in this resurrected body with the Lord wow glory hallelujah and Paul concludes in one verse the one last verse which is very critical for all of us Verse 58, with a strong and eminent charge. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The threefold charge in this one last verse. One is, be steadfast. So when you think about steadfast, is not moving at all. Not uh, being insecure at all. Not be swayed by this doctrine and that doc- doc- doctrine at all. Not be uh, all of a sudden feeling a little unsure because of what we are watching on TV or because of what popular speakers are saying this or not at all. This is ba- basically in our mind, in our truth, in our doctrine. Settle it once for all that you're going to spark on this. Let's be steadfast on this. Paul's charge is this. Don't be wishy washy about it. Your indecision will become your decision. You're going to be swayed like Ephesians 4, tossed here and there by the every wind of doctrine. That's the truth in steadfast, right? Our intellect. And the second one is a be immovable, I think this is affection in heart in the way we feel. Of course we we face trials. And as we yesterday morning as we were praying for Carrie and Judy and the, the bombardment of trials in the same week his father having a heart attack, his son, I mean his daughter having so much pain in urination and screaming to a point happened in a within 24 hours together. But I love the fact that as we're praying and reaching out and Carrie reaching out through the email, did you, he, did you see his prayer? And then we got uh, one amen and double amen and triple amen. Well, all of us saying amen together. Don't you ever move, be moved Feeling insecure in your heart and affection, your emotions. Paul is saying. And thirdly, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Maybe the more modern translation is abounding is overflowing with, not it's a being busy, but give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And A.W. Pink, uh, he was a, a contemporary of D.L. Moody and his, his, in his writing and it's very beneficial to look at it some people just too hurriedly read scripture and read it this way always abounding work for the Lord and then come up, coming up with our, our names and labels Christian service What do you think about usually? Some kind of formal ministry, missionary work, things like that. A.W. Pink's quote will reveal more. I'm going to conclude with that. But it is important for us to look at it as it is the work of the Lord. There's a twofold of it. Yes, there is a sense that it refers to the work entrusted to us, sharing the gospel, serving the church, and being continually prayerful and supporting the gospel ministry. Yes, the work interested in us is very important, evangelism, but it is also the work that the Lord is doing in and through us. What, What I'm trying to point out is that don't be too quick to say, work of the Lord, uh, I'm just mom, and I'm just a dad. What can I do? Oh, well, that's for the missionaries or pastors or pe- full-time people, or the people who are really serious about Christian w- work. No, this refers to every single one of us. Be diligent. Be vigilant, and don't go halfway. Put yourself recklessly abandon your life to the work of the Lord. And then we we shall see the fruit. As I mentioned, I'm going to conclude with A.W. Pink's quote. He writes, always abounding in the work of the Lord, constantly occupied in doing these good works which honor God more specifically whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of God 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one. giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperaments that means self-control To temperaments, patience, and to patience, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's a old King James language from Second Peter 1 5-11 he quotes and he concludes with this, that is the work of the Lord that the task assigned us. Then let not difficulty of such duties, nor the imperfection of your performances dishearten you. Suffer not the hatred of your enemies, nor the severity of their opposition to deter you. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Very sound, profound wisdom in that writing, isn't it? So brothers and sisters, as we celebrate Mother's Day, let's remember at the heart of our celebration this lasting hope. Not only for for the moms who passed away or who are sick, but also who are well even in the future, that we'll continually live in this hope. And let's pray for our loved ones and their salvation as Carrie and Judy pleaded with us. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bring to your mind these wonderful truths about mystery, about the victory, and this threefold charge. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this chapter on resurrection really stirred our hearts and as we uh, meditate each week Our faith in you has been deepened and our uh, heart is moved to obey. I do pray that our church will be marked with this congruence in what we believe and what we practice and how we live out our lives. And thank you that, Jesus, that you have brought victory, overwhelming victory victory once for all that we shall no longer face death the sting doesn't have actually any power anymore and I pray that that we will continually yearn for this gospel this good news to be spread and then received and embraced by our loved ones our friends and the people who are around us in Southern California and East Asia. And we give you glory in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.